We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? The buzz is back. The buzz is back. You know, we had a little hiatus. Obviously, the NBA is suspended right now, but we're going to bring you Nets content. And as always, you can find that content on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. And this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. But Jack, where do we get started? It feels like we haven't talked in like a month. It's already a year. It. Last week I is mean- gone. I, the amount the the semblance of time over this period has been insane. You know, a week feels like a year. You know, a day feels like months. I don't know what's going on, Nick. But I guess we should go to probably the most pressing news. I guess everything related to the coronavirus and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the most pressing news, obviously, was Kevin Durant contracting the virus. Um, when you saw that come out, um, what did you think? Obviously, there were four players that contracted the virus. Kevin Durant came out himself uh, after Sham Sarania, I think, sent him a text or something and was like, yep, I'm one of those four. Uh, what did you think upon the news? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was kind of a little shocked, but, you know, it was a possibility when, you know, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and uh, Christian Wood all tested positive that other NBA players were going to test positive. And over the last couple of days, we saw more people. I mean, I was kind of sad when I saw Kevin Durant. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this poor guy is recovering from a torn Achilles, and now he's going to get coronavirus. Obviously, he didn't have any symptoms, so that was a great sign. Also, we don't know which other three Nets have it. We wish them all the best, and I believe two of the other Nets also didn't have any symptoms, so it's just one of them that's probably, you know, dealing with this. But hopefully, you know, everything's okay, and they're able to recover 100%. And another great thing is we know the Nets medical team is one of the best, so hopefully they're putting them in the right position to get back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, the the thing is with Kevin Durant, I really respected the decision to come out and sort of shine a light on it. Yep. I know a lot of people have given him praise in doing that sort of, I guess, taking away some sort of stigma, stigma about it. You know, New York is a, a, a real epicenter for the disease uh, in America. So it's not surprising that we see some Brooklyn Nets guys get it. Um, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if we, we don't see in the coming days some New York Knicks guys contract the virus uh, to an extent as well. But 
Nick, I guess the the thing that's been gain, garnering a lot of buzz, for, for lack of a better word, is the fact that Mayor de Blasio's response and the general response in general, uh, the general response uh, overall about the fact that these NBA players and the Nets players specifically were able to get testing so quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just stupid to accuse them of having an issue because they're getting testing when really it's just politicians trying to take the blame off themselves for not having enough tests for the public. At the end of the day, this is always going to be the same way it always is in the entire world. If you have money, you're going to get things faster than other people. It's just how it is. And these guys obviously have possibly been in contact with other guys that had the virus. So why wouldn't they get tested? You know, it's not the NBA's fault or the Brooklyn Nets fault that they were able to hire a private lab to do their test. It's on the U.S. government for not having these tests for people to get. It's it's just trying to push the blame to somebody else and it's just honestly really stupid. Yeah, that that lab is a commercial Missouri lab and I got that news from our Nets daily. They're continuing to produce some awesome content as you would expect. So yeah, it was Mayor Bill de Blasio quote tweeted uh, in, in relation to a CBS News tweet. He was like, we wish them a speedy recovery, but with all due respect, an entire NBA team should not capitalize, get tested for COVID-19. While there are critically ill patients waiting to be tested, tests should not be for the wealthy, but for the sick. Well, if I don't understand why politicians are getting on their high horses about this. And I understand that, you know, the, the politics of America is so fraught and, and individualistic and, and so fractured in so many ways. Anyway. <laughs> and I mean, well, yeah, I guess for lack of a better word. But if you're saying things, you're taking away time and, and energy and resources from actually doing stuff. Don't tweet bullshit claims and, you know, or misgivings about whatever the F's going on where you can be out there doing stuff. You could have had a role in to play in the fact that maybe you can actually, you're the mayor of one of the biggest cities in the world and one of the epicenters of the world economy. Maybe you could have played a role in this. Maybe you could have gone to Donnie and gone, okay, maybe we should start testing a little bit earlier, earlier, Mr. Trump. Or, but at, at the end of the day, it's uh, the response from Mayor de Blasio is just, it's dumb. It's stupid. It's, you know, you, why not actually spend some time, money, energy, and resources on doing things? I agree with the premise overall, but I think attacking and deflecting towards the Brooklyn Nets players is is just foolhardy. It doesn't make any sense. You know, I agree with the fact that there should be more testing. There should be more testing worldwide. We're seeing what's happening in China and South Korea. They're on the way up in terms of the amount of people that are contracting the virus over there because they're testing like it's no one else's business. Whereas, you know, a lot of cities uh, are in Europe and, and in North America and even down here in Australia are falling to the wayside because of the lack of testing that's become available. And that goes down to our politicians. Do your freaking job and actually get some testing available for the not just the wealthy but for the sick that's on you and again the nets players did nothing wrong and the nets you know organization did nothing wrong they didn't take away tests from the sick they went through a private organization they didn't take it from the public healthcare system so this is on you mayor bill de blasio take a look in the mirror as well as countless other politicians that need to do that right now around the world Jack, you nailed it with one word, deflecting. That's what all he's doing is trying to create another story to take some of the pressure away from himself because he's getting some hot heat in New York City right now. So they're just going to continue to do that. But like you said, like the Nets didn't take anything away from the public. They went out of their way to go to a different organization, a commercial business, like you said, and get testing. I think they did the right thing. And a lot of other NBA teams are going to do it, too. Like they have the resources to do it. Why are they not going to do it if one of their players is at risk? Because it was reported that some Nets players or people in the organization had flu-like symptoms 
Yeah, and I mean, we saw Adam Harrington, uh, assistant coach for the Brooklyn Nets, come out and sort of say it as well. Upset at the wrong leadership group here. I'm so thankful for the leadership of the Nets organization and medical staff. Adam Silver was forced to respond. Michelle Roberts also responded, uh, taking the side of the Brooklyn Nets. You know, I, I get the premise of what Mayor Bill de Blasio is saying, but words mean bugger all right now, uh, for, to to be fair. Like, you know, actions speak louder than that. And right now, the actions of, of politicians and people in high places you know if the thing if Rudy Gobert didn't contract the virus in the first place I'm a person that thinks that both things are true about him and I listened to your episode of the outlet and uh, make sure you subscribe to that as well as this on iTunes but the fact that Rudy Gobert contracted the virus yes he was an absolute idiot in what he did and you know obviously spreading the virus even further but if that didn't happen would this chain reaction happen in America right now I'm not 100% sure. I think that it takes something like this to happen to really, you know, implement and put governments and, and politicians into action in that sense of the word. So I think that we need to see much greater action from politicians rather than sort of just, you know, deflecting and, and throwing barbs the ways of, of politicians and, and, and people in higher places. Like you mentioned as well, Nick, um, NBA players in general spend so much time traveling and making contact with different people, not just, you know, assistant coaches and the team and organization, but different people around the world, the fans and, and people that they see in the hotels. You know, they are coming into contact with countless numbers of people that we don't come into contact with. The, the everyday person doesn't come into contact with on a daily basis. So it kind of does make sense to test those people who would be more likely to spread the virus because they spend more time with the general public. And let's be honest, if, you know, let's say 10 NBA players test positive for the coronavirus, which I think 10 have, there's a good chance the entire NBA has a, a player in each team or a person in each organization that has the virus. So it's it makes sense to make sure, you know, it's not going to have a bigger impact on the entire league. And like you said, the amount of people they're in contact with, you know, you might see an NBA team travel to three or four different states in one week. So it's just like yeah. all over the place with this different stuff. And like you said, you know, getting back to the point about Rudy Gobert. Yeah, as annoying as he was and, you know, not treating the virus seriously, if he wasn't tested positive and the NBA didn't suspend the league, who knows how far the United States would be in terms of treating the coronavirus with a proper precaution? Because before that, it felt like people weren't really freaking out. It was that next day and the day after that where people started to be like, wow, this shit is pretty crazy. We need to make sure we're doing the right thing. Yeah, that's it at the end of the day. And, you know, we're not, this whole episode, guys, isn't going to be about the <laughs> coronavirus. We're going to get to some basketball stuff. But, you know, when there is an issue so so pertinent and then so consuming, we need to touch on it. And one thing that I, that I think we should touch on as well, Nick, and I think, you know, this happened, you know, barely a week ago, the response from the Brooklyn Nets organization, including Joe's side to, you know, compensate all of the hourly workers, you know, followed suit by many other organizations, um, I thought was a, a real nice move. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't think it deserves a heap of credit because Joe Sy is one of the richest men in the world. And, you know, compensating people who really need the money in, in their time of need right now where they're not going to be you know, able to buy groceries and buy the daily essentials without this sort of salary then I think that, yes, Josiah deserves some credit, but, you know, it's not ne necessarily like he's going out of his pocket to compensate these workers who deserve it and provide, you know, they make the Brooklyn Nets the organization that they are, you know. The people that are there, you know, when we went to the, the Barclays Center, the workers that are working behind the concession stand, the security people, uh, it's a wonderful experience. Everyone's mad nice. 
that it is one of the nicest um, basketball experiences that I've ever had. You know, every time I go to the Brooklyn Nets, you know, it's it sounds lame and cheesy, but it, a, a part of me feels like it's going to a second home. And you know, if it wasn't for, for the workers there uh, and for the, the 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 hours that they do and the the tireless hours that they spend, you know, making the experience and the game day experience and the behind the scenes experience what it is, uh, then the Brooklyn Nets wouldn't be what they are. And you know, uh, classy move by by Joe Sy and all the other owners as well that have stepped up uh, and. All also, um, probably more credit even so to to the players, you know, really going out of their pocket more so than these billionaires. So um, I, I really respect it. And, and I think that this is where we need to shine some light because there are some people that are doing some great things to, you know, make the life that little bit easier in a really trying time. And um, at least the Brooklyn Nets are, are making a step in the right direction in that sense. Yeah, like you said, Jack, it's not like they deserve a crazy amount of credit for, you know, supporting their workers, but it's the right move. It's something that I would expect out of somebody who's a billionaire and has all this money where at the end of the day, it's not really much to him. Like he's not going to spend all the money before he dies and setting these people up and making sure they're okay during this time. Because, I mean, that's part of the panic, too, is, you know, now in New York, they shut down uh, non-essential jobs. So people are worried about how they're going to have money to pay rent, buy groceries or deal with that, whatever other issues they have. So I thought that was a really nice move. And it kind of got some other uh, owners in the NBA started. Hopefully the entire league does it. And like you mentioned, I've really been, I, I don't know if proud is the right word, but I guess I'm proud to be a fan of some of these NBA players that are willing to donate money right off the bat. The fact that I know it's not a Nets player that Zion did, oh, yeah. that, that really stuck out to me. And I was like, all right, I'm a fan of this kid for the rest of his career. I mean, I was already a fan of yeah, Zion. Yeah, I mean, it like, adds it. Yeah, it really does. Like, I mean... I don't think that we have, and I mean, maybe we're a little bit biased. We certainly are a little bit biased. But in terms of the sporting leagues around the world, I don't think that there is a more selfless and greater character organization of players than the NBA players. You see just that, like, there aren't any, like, bad dudes. Like, there aren't any bad guys that play for the, the NBA right now. The, the community, you know, and, you know, obviously, you know, held by the leadership of Adam Silver and just, you know, led by, you know, the likes of LeBron James, Chris Paul, these sort of guys. We're very, very lucky. And I think that the the role that has been, the role models um, of, of yesteryear in terms of, you know, LeBron and KD, these sort of guys are ushering in, you know, a, a new character of players that have this this savviness and, and this awareness that, you know, not many other people have that at, at such a young age. You know, you look at Zion Williamson, Kevin Love, what he's been doing has been absolutely outstanding. But uh, it, it's been really, really nice. You know, Spencer Dimity as well. I think we better touch on him, Nick. And I mean, Spencer Dimity's Twitter fingers have been out of control. With currently no NBA, NHL, or college basketball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts and esports is on the rise. If you're into entertainment, you can still bet on American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your new ticket to online action. Yeah, he, he's been going content happy. He's had a lot of thoughts out there. He's been fun, though. I mean, at least giving the Nets fans some interaction out there and something to at least somewhat look forward to related to the Nets. Yeah, I mean, I, I, 
I had literally one, one of our, our, our pieces today, our, our segments today, was going to be Spencer Dimwitty Twitter watch. But we could literally do a whole episode the past week of Spencer Dimwitty being on Twitter. You know, just today uh, it was announced that he's partnered with Cred uh, to offer alternative to traditional banking opportunities so too they can earn interest on stable coins and other crypto assets. We know Spencer loves that bit of Bitcoin, those currencies and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's apparently a portion of the revenue generated goes to his foundation as well, uh, which aims to give scholarships to disadvantaged youth. Yeah. We know Spencer Dimwitty is one of the smartest, most savvy players on this Brooklyn Nets team, let alone in the NBA probably as well. So uh, this partnership um, makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, even though I have no idea what the hell it is, um, and I have, I mean, I know a few mates that have a Bitcoin, but like, you know, the stability of Bitcoin is like the stability of uh, the Brooklyn Nets win-loss record on, on this season, to be fair. But what did you think about this, Nick? It was uh, announced just a few hours ago. Yeah, I mean, we know Spencer's into that. He has, you know, created a virtual version of that you could buy part of his contract. So this kind of makes sense. And this is something that he's really into. He's into the tech world and that type of stuff. So it makes sense and good for him. It kind of helps him push himself further in that kind of uh, in that field, because we know he's already done some interviews and things along those lines. So it's just kind of doing things other than basketball. We always knew Spencer was into that. He's talked about after he retires, he wants to make an Iron Man suit. So, I mean, yeah. I'm not really surprised by anything Spencer does in terms of like being creative or looking into new partnerships. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally just scrolling through now, Nick, and I'm just going to throw some different tweets at you. Spencer Dimity wasn't happy with SD Nation. They had a, a Pokemon thing where, you know, you build, <laughs> I you, like build, you build the Pokemon, you build like, you know, you have $15, build like six Pokemon party. Uh, he wasn't happy that there was no OG Pikachu and, you know, he wanted to have a, a little bit extra money for it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the Pokemon here. The, the, the $1 Pokemon, I think Oddish is underrated, you know, and, and for those that uh, haven't seen the tweet by SB Nation, Bidoof, Mr. Mime, Oddish, and Magikarp. I mean, if you got Magikarp, you got the, the possibility of Gyarados happening in the future. I'm a big Oddish fan. I think Oddish is underrated as a Pokemon. I'm an OG dude, so I'm not, you know, the biggest, I don't really have the, the greater knowledge about Pokemon in terms of like, you know, Tyranitar, you know, give me Charizard any day of the week. You know, when the, I know, I know a little bit about Scissor, but you know, I'm still taking Gyarados. Ninetales is one of my favorite Pokemon because it's just a damn pretty dog. Damn pretty. Um, <laughs> But, you know, Spencer Dimwitty, he's, uh, he's bored, uh, but at least uh, thank God for Twitter. Yeah, I think they need to have OG Pikachu. Spencer has a good point there. I mean, Twitter. like I'm like you, Jack. When we were younger, like Charizard and that generation of Pokemon were all it. And then there's a whole bunch of new ones that I definitely don't know who they are. I'm all about the old school guys. Yeah, that's it at the end of the day. And I mean, the Spencer Dewey did have a, a mini sort of FaceTime interview with Taylor Rooks of, of Bleach Report early in the week. Not a heap to take away from it. The, the one thing that I I, I liked the, the light shine on was him talking about the testing process. And it sounds terribly uncomfortable yes. where they shove like stuff up your nose and it's just like you, you feel like your brain's getting sort of like touched and stuff. I'm like, man, I hope whoever has to go through those testing, you know, is comfortable in some sense because uh, that don't sound fun. Yeah, he said it was not fun and it was kind of painful and his eyes teared. I mean, that made me just scared to get the coronavirus other than like dying, just getting the test. Like they're yeah. sticking like a six inch stick up your nose and trying to reach it back there. And then he said like the throat swab as well. Like I already hate when they you have like when you're younger and you have strep throat and they're like trying to tab the back of your throat. Like imagine going deeper. Uh, it just sounded terrible. 
It did not sound fun whatsoever. And, you know, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is one of the smarter dudes as well. Um, I think that you probably saw this one, Nick, as well. There was the Marvel one where it's you took everything from me and it's Thanos and his head is the coronavirus and yeah. there's like NBA symbols, NHL symbols. And Spencer Dinwiddie uh, retweeted, he's like, as a Marvel fan, I felt this. I think we all <laughs> felt it, Spence. Um, you know, we got nothing going on right now. Thank God for the buzz. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I like the tournament idea he had. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, so the tournament idea, I mean, I'm still, a lot of people sort of jumped on this bandwagon and and even um, Michelle Roberts did contact him about it. And, you know, uh, Adam Silver was on the the jump the other day, Sports Center or the jump, one of the the shows the other day speaking to Rachel Nichols. And, you know, he's open to all options. And I think that's one great thing about Adam Silver as a leader of of a sports league. You know, he's always going to be willing to innovate in certain sense of the uh, imagination. But, you know, Nick, you probably know a little bit more about this because I'm not, you know, totally familiar with college sports and brackets and all this sort of stuff. How does this thing sort of work? What's Spencer getting into here? Well, I'll I'll just read it off his tweet because I wasn't able to memorize it. And it's a little bit different than March Madness. So what he has is a 28-team tournament. The top four seeds will get a bye. And teams 27, 28, and 29 will play at a neutral site in uh, March Madness style in best of three. And then obviously those te- two, two of those four teams advance. And then the round of 28 is best of five. And the round of 16 proceeds like the regular NBA playoffs. So it's pretty much kind of expend- expanding the playoffs, but at the same time, like shortening the part that you're expanding because it's just giving every team an opportunity to get into the postseason essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's it's creative, and I mean, we expect these sort of thoughts and ideas from the higher-ups at the NBA, not necessarily the players, but, you know, we have some of the smartest guys, you know, in terms of, you know, the, their intelligence and their thinking when it comes to being creative in that sense. You know, Spencer has said that the estimation is the five-game tune-up would take about two weeks to play in is a week max, the extra round is seven to ten days, and that way the season doesn't go into August or anything crazy that affects next season too. And he thinks that fans will go crazy. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not a massive, you know, March Madness fan. You know, I, I keep an eye on it. Last time I think I was in, um, I, I've been to, to America when it has been around the college madness time. And I'm still like, well, NBA basketball is happening. I don't really care about this. But the, the idea itself, I think, makes some sense. I think you have to, in terms of, you know, the, the date of the NBA coming back, we, we have no idea when it's going to be back. And if this can shorten the season of sorts, but still cram in a heap of, you know, revenue for the owners um, and, and some excitement, I think that the ratings would be absolutely insane for this sort of stuff. And, you know, obviously... As well, you still get the competitiveness. You still get a little bit of a tune-up with a couple of regular season games, which I think is needed because I think that, you know, non-basketball activities, you know, these guys, you know, we see Serge Ibaka running through. He's doing suicides in his freaking living room because that's the only way you can keep fit right now. Facilities Um, are shutting down, I believe, today. Yeah, and Spencer, I think, said on his Twitter, he's like, you, you're, you guys are locked me out of the facility, so I've got to find a way to keep busy somehow. Um, so in that sense, I think that this is a great idea, Nick. I, I think that all ideas are, are open and on the table. Um, I, I, in general, do you think that the – and we'll get to Katie and Cairo News later but and, and how the, this pertains to them. But in general – do you think that the NBA season will go on? Do you think we see a 2020 NBA champion? Uh, I'm, 
I'm pretty confident that we do. I just couldn't really see the NBA shutting it down unless, you know, the coronavirus is crazy and things don't get better at all for the, you know, the rest of the year. And there's just no opportunity to do it. I think for the most part, if they have a chance to do it, they're going to do it, even if it means having games with no fans. And that's going to kill the revenue, but they're still going to be able to, you know, put the players in the court, keep them in shape and at least get some type of money because it's going to be entertainment. And the TV ratings are going to be through the roof because let's be honest, there's nothing to watch right now and everybody's at home. So, why not watch you know a great seven game series or five game series or three game series in this tournament and see what happens i i I mean maybe i'm just being super optimistic and i don't want to think about a world where the season doesn't doesn't happen but i think that it will in some capacity well as an example of that nick right now here in australia we have the afl our the australian football league currently happening but with no fans in the stadiums it is an incredibly weird viewing experience I know uh, people are split on whether, you know, it is an effective sort of viewing experience in general. There are positives to it, the fact that there is that outlet to have. But also I think it's negative in the sense that, you know, you're putting, you know, the players at risk, but apparently the players want to do it because they don't want to sacrifice any pay. So, you know, there are some some uh, some examples to look towards. You know, the, the Chinese basketball league is starting to happen now as well. You know, they've been off for a few months. Obviously, they've got their testing under control and and their, the, the coronavirus and COVID-19 is having much less of an effect there now after some extreme measures. So there, it'll be something that is changing daily, as Adam Silver has said, and all, dies, all ideas will be on the table. But, Nick, the speculation... I will just say one more point, Jack. Go. I think regardless about if the NBA season happens this year, it's going to impact next season where next season's date is regardless going to be pushed back. Like I wouldn't expect to see the NBA season start for the 2020, 2021 season to probably the earliest November and most likely starting in December. I saw Bobby Marks put out that maybe it started on Christmas day, which I think would be kind of cool because obviously Christmas slate is a really big deal in the NBA. Yeah. And I think that was brought up by the Atlanta Hawks owner as well. That's, um, what, what conference is Sloan Conference as well? You know, that idea has been gaining a lot of traction. And I think that, you know, the Christmas right. dates, yeah, I mean, why not? You know, through crisis comes opportunity, as they say. But and, and in that sort of sense as well, you know, the, the marquee day for the NBA is Christmas Day. And to start it there would be, it would start off with an absolute massive bang. And, you know, I think that, you know, the competition with the other sports, you know, including NFL football and stuff, you know, the NBA would have its day and it would absolutely attack the season from there. But in that sense, Nick, you know, staying back to hopefully this season, speculation around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving returning has been somewhat rampant. And, uh, you know, Rich Richard Kleiman makes some comments as well. But what do you think? KD and Kyrie coming back if we see the NBA season come into some form over the next few months? I think it's a real possibility. I mean, if anything positive could come out of this in terms of the Nets, it would be that maybe these guys could come back. I don't know how... The facility not being open impacts Kyrie and Katie in terms of the rehab. We know that, like, from what it seemed that Katie was getting close to the end of his rehab and he was mostly starting to focus on basketball activities, just getting back to being one of the best players in the league. On Kyrie front, we really don't know anything. We know when he had surgery, but we don't know how long the surgery, his recovery is going to be. We don't know what type of rehab he's going to have or anything like that. I'd almost be more surprised to see Kyrie. I think it's almost more likely we'd see maybe Katie at this point because we just don't know much about Kyrie's injury at all. Yeah, Kyrie went underwent surgery March 3rd, around early March. Let's let's just go with that. Early March, you know, looking at some different articles online. So you would expect that to be 
minimum two months sort of layoff. So May sometime. I don't think the NBA is probably going to be back until around June July at this stage. You know, my ideas could change, you know, in, on a whim. KD looks a lot more likely. But speaking to uh, ESPN, um, Rich Kleiman did say in, in response to that that it's not very realistic of him playing in June or July and, not re- and it hasn't even been spoken about. I think the fact that he... He ended the sentence with, it's not even been spoken about, leave the door ever so slightly ajar yeah. for a Kevin Durant return. Especially because of all the talk about KD playing on the Olympic team. Obviously, that wouldn't take place until late July or August, whatever it is. But you'd have to think that he'd be pretty close to that time. And depending on when the season comes back, I think that's really going to matter. If we, for some reason, were able to see the basketball season come back in April... Yeah, it's probably less likely, but the farther you get along, you know, you get into May, you get into June. Now it's like, all right, you know, what's the point of holding him back? Because it's almost like we're getting into the next calendar year. You know what I mean? We're getting into the next NBA season. It's not that far away. And we know when he had his injury, we know he's been killing his rehab. So at, at that point, it's like, why not let him play? What, and especially if it's some kind of crazy tournament like that, where seating is kind of tossed out the window, or it's at least a, to a smaller extent, you have an opportunity to win. Like, I'm not saying KD makes the Nets the best team in the East or, you know, makes them one of the best teams in the league, but at least gives them an opportunity to win every single game they're in. Because at the end of the day, if KD is healthy and probably at 85% or 80%, he's still, you know, one of the top 10, top 15 best basketball players in the world. Yeah, I've heard on plenty of podcasts and plenty of really learned NBA personalities sort of say that even if Kevin Durant doesn't come back with his full athleticism, he's still Dirk Nowitzki. <laughs> and <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki is one of the best players to ever suit up and you know revolutionize the game in so many different ways. And Kevin Durant's got it even like an inch or two. He's a genuinely a seven footer. You see those he's photos of him too. Like his arms are even like Dirk's arms are long, but like Katie's arms don't even make sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's like we've seen the the Team USA pictures where like he's taller than DeAndre Jordan, he's taller than Demarcus Cousins, like he's a center, but he he knows and like I think that there was a story. I think Kevin Durant on his Twitter the other day said I can't remember when this was, but a guy came out as like, when did you realize that you know you weren't necessarily a guard anymore or whatever? And Kevin Durant was like, I think it was during high school. He's like, you know, I was six three, and then I came back to high school like the following summer, and my guy's like, dude, you're like six eight now. He's like, oh well, I, I'm not gonna tell anyone, and he's just gonna continue. <laughs> continue playing like a guard and you know he plays you know the it worked out pretty good it did and um, we'll get to a little bit of a kevin durant topic a little bit later but sticking to this one nick and i'll give you the the full climbing quotes via nets daily and espn it feels like kevin durant playing in the 2019-20 season clearly wasn't something that was in the cards prior to all of this and now i think that just like the rest of the world it's hard to take anything more than day by day i think that kevin is going to figure out the space that he needs to be in to continue to rehab during this time but even that's hard to answer at this point with the new kind of rules that were put in place last night it does complicate his rehab so it's yeah. it's a really interesting thing you know i'd love to be a fly on the wall in kevin durant's you know apartment in new york city or wherever he's staying right now because even for all the players that are rehabbing you know you know clay thompson rehabbing for for the acl all the guys that are going through you know some and Kyrie irving too with his shoulder rehab too you know it's it's going to be it's unprecedented what these guys are going to be doing right now in terms of actually rehabbing their injury and getting back to some form of basketball shape to attack either, you know, the latter points of this season or next season. Yeah. And this is, you know, like, I guess out of the one con of, you know, having a basketball arena in your practice facility in the city, 
is that you know you're gonna live in apartments and you're not gonna have a basketball court in your apartment and if you do it's just gonna probably be a hoop or something like that where you know players had homes it's more likely they'd have their own personal training facility even if it's just like you know half a court or something like that so I think the players are really limited I'm sure the Nets are looking at different ways where they could provide them with some type of area to rehab or do what they need to do so I'm sure I, I have confidence in the Nets but at the end of the day there's only so much they can do with you know the measurements that are being taken with a coronavirus um nick i think they need to take some of your advice and some of your uh, practices into play and uh, get into some of those youtube workouts my dude i've actually done a few myself you know get those hits workouts in you know 15 20 minutes get all the the muscles engaged and you know you're staying fit you're staying sharp and you get those endorphins going yeah, and like it's a good way to balance out all the junk food you're going to eat being stuck at home. I feel like I'm eating for no reason at times because like you're literally just watching TV, playing video games on your computer. And if you're doing any type of work, it's mostly from your laptop. So it's just crazy. I mean, like I said to you and Corey, I'm starting to enjoy the home workouts a little bit. I mean, I'm, basketball for me has been canceled for the foreseeable future. And, you know, I normally, you know, rely on those two or three sessions a week. So now I'm doing some YouTube tutorials myself, you know, a, a couple of workouts here and there. I do enjoy the hits ones because I like the short and sharp burst. Yeah. Doing a little bit of yoga here and there as well. So just trying to keep the balance, keep the mind good, keep the body good because, you know, we all need to keep it uh, fine in some way in this uh, trying time. But... Final one on the Kevin Durant news, Nick, and uh, Adrian Wojnarowski on his podcast said this. Obviously, people have talked about Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. I've been told that he is that it is not an expectation of him coming back. Although I heard he's looked pretty good over there, the plan wasn't to do that. Because remember, you'd come back. You'd have a pretty short turnaround no matter what you do from the end of this season to next season, and they're going to be careful with him now. Could that change? I guess it could change. But right now, the plan is not to bring Kevin Durant back. Yeah, and I don't, we kind of talked about it all year. The plan was never to bring him back. It was always like, maybe KD would say, hey, I want to come back, or hey, I'm ready, or like, what else am I waiting for? Because that it gets to a certain point where he's 100% healthy and he's feeling confident in his movements and he feels that he's back to a basketball level. And really, the only thing he needs to get fully back to KD is, you know, game level action. And the only way he's going to get that is in a real game. So, I don't think it was ever part of the plan, but at the end of the day, this is Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant goes to Sean Marks and or Jock Vaughn, I guess, and says, hey, I'm good to go. Let me at least have a shot at going out there, have the medical team look at me. They give me the okay. Let's do this thing because if not, there's no reason. You know what I mean? We're just wasting yeah. time. Yeah, that's it at the end of the day, and we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that one, Nick. But at the end of the day, this was via DeadeyeKD on Twitter. What rank is KD amongst players in the league when he is fully healthy? Um, I'll go first. First, he is the best player in the league. If he's fully healthy and he's the KD that we saw before the Achilles injury, then he is the best player in the league. Is he going to be that guy? It's really hard to say. Obviously, Achilles injuries are super tough. We know KD's killing his rehab right now. And like we kind of talked about, he has some physical abilities that just make him impossible to defend so if he's 100 percent healthy you know at worst he's a top three player but if he's back in that locked and loaded mode we saw in the postseason before the injury he's number one yeah definitely and we've got a few articles as well relating to kevin durant on ogd basketball.com from alec and cam make sure to check those ones out but for me nick you know when Corey and i were doing the top 50 before the Kevin Durant Achilles injury happened in the finals, you know, he was my number one. You know, he, yeah. he has proven himself to be, you know, he is a championship. He's a focal point. He is one of the, like you said, you could make an argument that he is the most skilled, diverse player to ever play the game in terms of his jump shooting. 
is wet. You know, he could make an argument that he's the best jump shooter, you know, alongside Stephen Curry. He has a jump shot as as wet as Stephen Curry. He also has a handle that, you know, is super duper smooth. Maybe not Kyrie Irving smooth, but, you know, for a six foot 11, seven foot guy, I don't know many guys that have the handle that he does. Also improved his defense markedly when he was in Golden State as well. You know, there isn't a guy who has the list of skills that Kevin Durant has in this league. And, you know, his passing game also really did improve in Golden State in that system as well. Um, I think that Kevin Durant is a nigh-on prototypically perfect player. And I'm itching to see him play whenever it is in the foreseeable future. But, you know, when he had his, he's at his healthiest, you know, he would have been in that MVP race with Giannis and LeBron. Uh, and I'm damn hoping uh, that we do get to see that in the near future. And if we don't get to see it this year, hopefully we get to see it next season, which couldn't even come faster than we think. Who knows which what's going to happen with the coronavirus or the NBA season. But Jack and I will still be here recording buzzes. We're going to try to get you guys at least one a week. And if there's any topics or podcast episodes you want us to go at, we'll, we'll love to try it. You know, we're going to do some different things, recapping the season, reviewing players, looking at some of the offseason moves, possibly rewatching some games. We're open to ideas, though. But, Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepug.com, and Blue Wire Pods. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.